brought to you by Charity Mobile, the phone company that shares your values. More information is available at CharityMobile.com. Nothing quite like rounding out the year 2022, which has seen more priests canceled than perhaps ever before for being too orthodox, and more attacks on our liturgy, and more attacks on basic decency coming from Rome, than to bring you a famous sermon by Archbishop Marcel Lefebvre, the founder of the SSPX. And this is a sermon of his from 1976, from about as far on the calendar as you can get from here in terms of the way things feel, and that is the Feast of Saints Peter and Paul, which is one of the traditional days of ordination in the Church. The Feast of Saints Peter and Paul is on June 29th, by the way, for those who may not be aware. So on June 29, 1976, Archbishop Lefebvre ordained several priests and subdeacons. He disregarded the elimination of the minor orders that were instituted by Paul VI, like he did so many other things, because, well, he saw what the consequences would be. And so here he is giving an address on the, at the Mass on the, well, on obedience. And there are limits to obedience, folks. And this has become this has come up again because we saw Father Frank Pavone have his canonical rights taken away, or totally ignored, and then excommunicated. Well, not excommunicated, but laicized, really, without ceremony. And he found out in the media, which is not how it works. So, and this is not the first time these things have happened. We live in a lawless time in the church, a time of chaos. And so, Archbishop Lefebvre here gives a famous address in 1976 at the ordination of. 13 priests and 13 subdeacons on the Feast of Saints Peter and Paul. And here he will give you some idea about a more traditional Catholic understanding of obedience and our duties in these times. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. My dear friends, dear confreres, dear brethren, who have come from every country, from all horizons, it is a joy for us to welcome you and to feel you so close to us at this moment, so important for our fraternity and also for the Church. I think that if the pilgrims have permitted themselves to make this sacrifice, to journey day and night, to come from distant regions to participate in this ceremony, it is because they had the conviction that they were coming to participate in a ceremony of the Church, to participate in a ceremony which would fill their hearts with joy because they will now have the certitude in returning to their homes that the Catholic Church continues. Ah, I know well that the difficulties are numerous in this undertaking which we have been told is foolhardy. They say that we are in a deadlock. Why? Because from Rome have come to us, especially in the last three months since the 19th of March, 1976, in particular the Feast of St. Joseph, demands, supplications, orders, and threats, to inform us that we must cease our activity, to inform us that we must not perform these ordinations to the priesthood. They have been pressing these last few days. In the last twelve days in particular, we have not ceased to receive messages and envoys from Rome enjoining us to refrain from performing these ordinations. But if in all objectivity we seek the true motive animating those to ask us not to perform these ordinations, if we look for the hidden motive, it is because we are ordaining these priests that they may say the Mass of all time. It is because they know that these priests will be faithful to the Mass of the Church, to the Mass of tradition, to the Mass of all time, that they urge us not to ordain them. 
In proof of this, consider that six times in the last three weeks, six times, we have been asked to reestablish normal relations with Rome and to give as proof the acceptance of the new rite. I have been asked to celebrate it myself. They have gone so far as to send me someone who offered to con-celebrate with me in the new rite, so as to manifest that I accepted voluntarily this new liturgy, saying that in this way all would be straightened out between us and Rome. They put a new missile into my hand, saying, Here is the Mass that you must celebrate, and that you shall celebrate henceforth in all your houses. They told me as well that if on this date, today, this 29th of June, before your entire assembly, we celebrated a Mass according to the new rite, all would be straightened out henceforth between ourselves and Rome. Thus it is clear, it is evidence that it is on the problem of the Mass that the whole drama between Acone and Rome depends. Are we wrong in obstinately wanting to keep the right of all time? We have, of course, prayed. We have consulted. We have reflected. We have meditated to discover if it is not indeed we who are in error, or if we do not really have a sufficient reason not to submit ourselves to the new right. And in fact, the very insistence of those who were sent from Rome to ask us to change right makes us wonder. And we have the precise conviction that this new right of Mass expresses a new faith, a faith which is not ours, a faith which is not the Catholic faith. This new Mass is a symbol, is an expression, is an image of a new faith, of a modernist faith. For it is the most holy church that has wished to guard throughout the centuries this precious treasure which she has given us of the rite of Holy Mass, which was canonized by St. Pius V. It has not been without purpose. It is because this Mass contains our whole faith, the whole Catholic faith faith in the Most Holy Trinity, faith in the divinity of our Lord Jesus Christ, faith in the redemption of our Lord Jesus Christ, faith in the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, which flowed from the redemption of our sins, faith in supernatural grace, which comes to us from the holy sacrifice of the Mass, which comes to us from the cross, which comes to us through all the sacraments. This is what we believe. This is what we believe in celebrating the holy sacrifice of the Mass of all time. It is a lesson of faith and at the same time a source of our faith, indispensable for us in this age when our faith is attacked from all sides. We have need of this true Mass, of this Mass of all time, of the sacrifice of our Lord Jesus Christ, re really to fill our souls with the Holy Ghost and with the strength of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now it is evident that the new rite, if I may say so, supposes another conception of the Catholic religion, another religion. It is no longer the priest who offers the holy sacrifice of the Mass, it is the assembly. Now this is an entire program, an entire program. Henceforth, it is the assembly also that replaces authority in the church. It is the assembly of bishops that replaces the power of individual bishops. It is the priest's council that replaces the power of the bishop in the diocese. It is numbers that command from now on in the holy church. And this is expressed in the mass precisely because the assembly replaces the priest, to such a point that now many priests no longer want to celebrate holy mass when there is no assembly. Slowly but surely, the Protestant notion of the Mass is being introduced into the Holy Church. And this is consistent with the mentality of modern man. Absolutely consistent. For it is the democratic ideal which is the fundamental idea of modern man. That is to say that the power lies with the assembly. That authority is in the people, in the masses, and not in God. And this is most grave. Because we believe that God is all-powerful. We believe that God has all authority. We believe that all authority comes from God. Omnius potestas ad Deo. All authority comes from God. We do not believe that authority comes from below. 
Now that is the mentality of modern man. And the new mass is no less than the expression of this idea that authority is at the base and no longer in God. This mass is no longer a hierarchical mass. It is a democratic mass. And this is most grave. It is the expression of a whole new ideology. The ideology of modern man has brought into our most sacred rights. And this is what is at present corrupting the entire church. For this idea of power bestowed on the lower rank. In the holy mass, they have destroyed the priesthood. They are destroying the priesthood for what is the priest. The priest no longer has a personal power. That power which is given to him by his ordination as these future priests are going to receive in a moment. They are going to receive a character, a character which will put them above the people of God. Never more shall they be able to say after the ceremony about to be performed, they shall never be able to say, we are men like other men. This would not be true. They will no longer be men like other men. They will be men of God. They will be men, I should say, who almost participate in the divinity of our Lord Jesus Christ by his sacerdotal character. For our Lord Jesus Christ is priest for eternity, priest according to the order of Melchizedek, because he is Jesus Christ, because the divinity of the word of God was infused into the humanity which he assumed. And it is at the moment that he assumed this humanity in the womb of the most blessed Virgin Mary that Jesus became priest. The grace in which these young priests are going to participate is not the sanctifying grace in which our Lord Jesus Christ gives us to participate by the grace of baptism. It is the grace of union, that grace of union unique to Lord Jesus Christ. It is in this grace that they are going to participate, for it is by his grace of union with the divinity of God, with the divinity of the word, that our Lord Jesus Christ became priest, that our Lord Jesus Christ is king, that our Lord Jesus Christ is judge, that our Lord Jesus Christ ought to be adored by all men, by his grace of union, sublime grace, grace which no being here below could ever receive, this grace of the divinity itself descending into humanity, which is our Lord Jesus Christ, anointing him after a fashion, like the oil that descends on the head and consecrates him who receives this oil. The humanity of our Lord Jesus Christ was penetrated by the divinity of the word of God, and thus he was made priest, he was made mediator between God and men. It is in this very grace which will place them above the people of God that these priests are going to participate. They too will be the intermediaries between God and God's people. They will not merely be the representatives of the people of God. They will not be the functionaries of the people of God. They will not merely be presidents of the assembly. They are priests for eternity, marked by this character for eternity, and no one has the right not to respect them. Even if they themselves did not respect this character, they have it always in themselves. They will always have it in themselves. This is what we believe. This is our faith. And this is what constitutes our holy sacrifice of the Mass. It is the priest who offers the holy sacrifice of the Mass, and the faithful participate in this offering with all their heart, with all their soul. But it is not they who offer the holy sacrifice of the Mass. As proved, consider that the priest, when he is alone, offers the holy sacrifice of the Mass in the same manner, with the same value, as if there were a thousand people around him. His sacrifice has an infinite value. The sacrifice of our Lord Jesus Christ offered by the priest has an infinite value. This is what we believe. This is why we think that we cannot accept the new rite, which is the work of another ideology, or a new ideology. They thought that they would attract the world by accepting the ideas of the world. They thought they would attract to the church those who do not believe by accepting the ideas of these persons who do not believe, by accepting the ideas of modern man. This modern man who is a liberal, who is a modernist, who is a man who accepts the plurality of religions, who no longer accepts the social kingship of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
This I have heard twice from the envoys of the Holy See, who told me that the social kingship of our Lord Jesus Christ was no longer possible in our time, that we must accept definitely the pluralism of religion. This is what they told me, that the encyclical Quas Primus, which is so beautiful, on the social kingship of our Lord Jesus Christ, which was written by Pope Pius XI, would never be written today by the Pope. This is what they said to me, the official envoys of the Holy See. Well, we are not of this religion. We do not accept this new religion. We are of the religion of all time. We are of the Catholic religion. We are not of this universal religion, as they call it today. This is not the Catholic religion anymore. We are not of this liberal, modernist religion, which has its own worship, its own priests, its own faith, its own catechisms, its own Bible, the ecumenical Bible. These things we do not accept. We do not accept the ecumenical Bible. There is no ecumenical Bible. There is only the Bible of God, the Bible of the Holy Ghost, which un written under the influence of the Holy Ghost. It is the Word of God. We do not have the right to mix it with the words of men. There is no ecumenical Bible which could possibly exist. There is only one word, the Word of the Holy Ghost. We do not accept the catechisms which no longer uphold our creed, and so on and so forth. We cannot accept these things. They are contrary to our faith. We regret infinitely. It is an immense, immense pain for us to think that we are in difficulty with Rome because of our faith. How is this possible? It is something that exceeds the imagination, that we should never have been able to imagine, that we should never have been able to believe, especially in our childhood. Then, when all was uniform, when the whole church believed in her general unity, held the same faith, the same sacraments, the same sacrifice of the Mass, the same catechism, and behold, suddenly all is in division, in chaos. I said as much to those who came from Rome, and I said so. Christians are torn apart in their families, in their homes, and among their children. They are torn apart in their hearts by this division in the church, by this new religion, now being taught and practiced. Priests are dying prematurely, torn apart in their hearts and in their souls at the thought that they no longer know what to do. Either to submit to obedience and lose in a way the faith of their childhood and of their youth, and renounce the promises they made at the time of their ordination in taking the anti-modernist oath, or to have the impression of separating themselves from him who is our father, the Pope, from him who is the representative of St. Peter. What agony for these priests! Many priests have died prematurely of grief. Priests are now hounded from their churches, persecuted because they say the Mass of all time. We are in a truly dramatic situation. We have to choose between an appearance, I should say, of disobedience, for the Holy Father cannot ask us to abandon our faith. It is impossible, impossible, the abandonment of our faith. We choose not to abandon our faith, for in that we cannot go wrong. In that which the Catholic Church has taught for 2,000 years, the Church cannot be in error. It is absolutely impossible, and that is why we are attached to this tradition, which is expressed in such an admirable and definitive manner, as Pope St. Pius V said so well, in, in a definitive manner, in the holy sacrifice of the Mass. Tomorrow, perhaps, in the newspapers will appear our condemnation. It is quite possible because of these ordinations today. I myself shall probably be struck by suspension. These young priests will be struck by an irregularity which, in theory, should prevent them from saying Holy Mass. It is possible. Well, I appeal to St. Pius V. St. Pius V, who in his bull said that, in perpetuity, no priest could incur a censure, whatever it might be, in perpetuity, for saying this Mass. And consequently, this censure, this excommunication, if there was one, these censures, if there are any, are absolutely invalid, contrary to that which St. Pius V established in perpetuity in his bull that never in any age could one inflict a censure on a priest who says this holy mass. Why? 
because the Mass is canonized. He canonized it definitively. Now, a pope cannot remove a canonization. The pope can make a new rite, but he cannot remove a canonization. He cannot forbid a mass that is canonized. Thus, if he has canonized a saint, another pope cannot come and say that this saint is no longer canonized. That is not possible. Now, this holy mass was canonized by Pope St. Pius V, and that is why we can say in all tranquility, in all security, and even be certain that in saying this mass, we are professing our faith. We are upholding our faith. We are upholding the faith of the Catholic people. This is indeed the best manner of upholding it. And that is why we are going to proceed in a few moments with these ordinations. Certainly, we should desire to have a blessing as was given in the past by the Holy See. A benediction came from Rome for the newly ordained. But we believe that God is here present, that he sees all things, and that he also blesses this ceremony, which we are performing, and that one day he will certainly draw from it the fruits which he desires, and will aid us in any case to maintain our faith and to serve the church. We ask this especially the Most Blessed Virgin Mary and of Saints Peter and Paul today. Let us ask the Most Blessed Virgin, who is the mother of the priesthood, to give these young men the true grace of the priesthood, to give them the Holy Ghost in whose giving she was intermediary the day of Pentecost. Let us ask St. Peter and St. Paul to maintain in us this faith in Peter. And yes, we believe in Peter. We believe in the successor of Peter. But as Pope Pius IX says well in his dogmatic constitution, the Pope has received the Holy Ghost, not to make new truths, but to maintain us in the faith of all time. This is the definition of the Pope made at the time of the First Vatican Council by Pope Pius IX. And that is why we are persuaded that in maintaining these traditions, we are manifesting our love, our docility, our obedience to the successor of Peter. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. And that is a, uh, to use a colloquialism, a bit of a barn burner of a sermon by Archbishop Marcel Lefebvre, and I doubt he delivered it with the energy that I did. I've seen footage of him speaking, and he was always a calm, he always had a calm delivery. He could hit, he could communicate these fiery ideas in absolute peace and tranquility. There's nothing performative with what he did. And how true do those words ring today? 43 years after he gave this address, or 47 years, we're actually, it's been nearly 50 years since he gave this address. And how true do those words ring today? I think they still ring with, with, the, with truth. Especially now that we live in, I think, the perf under the perfect embodiment of the values of that period, where we are now told exactly what Archbishop Lefebvre said when he talked about the new mass being a expression of a different religion. Our Cardinal Roach and Francis have said it themselves that the mass that Pius V canonized, that Archbishop Lefebvre was defending, does not fit with the quote-unquote ecclesiology of the church, which is the relationship of the church to the world and the expression of the faith. That's them admitting that the two masses represent two different faiths. They said it. They agreed with Archbishop Lefebvre. Something for us to ponder, I think. Have a happy new year, folks. Tomorrow is the Feast of Mary, the Mother of God, on the new calendar. And even the SSPX actually have it on their calendar, I know, because I have their calendar in my kitchen. And I have a good sermon, I think, for you for tomorrow for that. So... Marzamarian Feast Day. Please, please observe it. Of course, go to Mass. And let me know what you thought of this in the comments, please. As always, pray for the Church. I'm Anthony Stein. Ave Maria.